I want to preach to you this morning from the book of Isaiah. We're going through the book of Isaiah. I want you to get something in your mind and understand this. Many of you have been in church a long time. And you understand that God called a man by the name of Abram, changed his name to Abraham. He became the head or the father of the Jewish nation of Israel. Abraham had a son. His name was Isaac. And after Isaac, Jacob was born. Jacob's name was changed and to Israel. And he had 12 sons make up the 12 tribes of Israel. When you think and you read in your Bible or you watch CNN or Fox or read the paper and you see the word Israel, I want you to learn to think of that nation differently than you do any other nation on the face of the earth because God does. America is not the apple of his eye. Israel is. We are blessed. We are a Gentile nation that have become heirs of the gospel and we've been born again, many in this nation, I do believe God has worked in American history. I do believe that God in his divine prominence has raised up America and the majority of world missions has taken place through the nation of America. But Israel is God's chosen earthly people. You're living in a day when we call it the dispensation of grace, the time period of grace. It's the time period from the time of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection until the rapture of the church that Brother Ricky shared with us this morning. During this time frame, and I don't know when Jesus is coming, although I do believe he's coming soon, that during these days, God is dealing with the world through the gospel. But he has not cast off his people Israel. He is working with the nation of Israel now. A Jew can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And that is, that's true of any person, any nationality, any race, any color, any background. But God in a very unique way is still working in the nation of Israel. When we come to chapter 54 of the book of Isaiah, there has been previous prophecies of all of the nation of Israel going into captivity. Now I've gone over that with you before. They were taken into captivity. The Lord prophesied they'd go into captivity for 70 years. At the end of 70 years, they were, they were able to come back. The Persian Empire rose and defeated the Babylonians. And a king by the name of Cyrus allowed the Jews to go back into their land. They went back and they rebuilt the temple. They reinstituted worship. God cured Israel during that 70 years of captivity of idolatry. They no longer worship idols. They do worship Jehovah God, but many of them do not understand the truth of the gospel. And so Paul wrote in the book of Romans chapter 10, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And that's my prayer. He said, because they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. And that has to do with the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation through him. But I want you to please understand, God has not cast off Israel. And it is not right biblically for me and you to take the prophecies or the promises to Israel 
and apply them to the church. Now, there are a lot of people who do that. They say God's through with the nation of Israel, that God's not working with the nation of Israel anymore, that it's just the gospel, it's just the church. Everybody needs to get saved the same way. And they do need to get saved the same way. But please understand, God has not cast off Israel. God has a plan for them. When you and I, who are saved by the grace of God, leave this world, God has a plan for Israel in a very unique way. He, in 1948, brought Israel back into their land in spite of all the opposition, in spite of being surrounded by hostile nations all the way around them since that very day, day after day, day after day, year after year, they are trying continually to destroy and to defeat Israel. They're trying to do it politically. They're trying to do it socially. They're trying to do it uh, with military might and power. And yet God is divine providence has kept that little nation of Israel still there because they are the apple of his eye. Now, please understand that. Nationally, they are God's chosen people. God has a plan for them. When the rapture occurs, the Bible said, the Lord himself shall descend from here with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. That is those who know the Lord who have already died. Now, please understand, we do not teach nor believe in soul sleep. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so those who've already died, Sister Louise Lyson is now perfectly whole. She's rejoiced in the presence of the Lord. But the Bible does say that those who have died in the Lord, their bodies will be resurrected. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown a mortal body, raised immortal. So there is a bodily resurrection. And uh, God died when the Lord Jesus Christ died. He died to save you totally, body, soul, and spirit. And that's going to take place. You'll receive a brand new body like in his glorious body. Now, for those of us, like Paul believed, those of us who are alive remain until the coming of the Lord, we'll not go before or prevent them which are asleep because the Lord's going to come. They're going to be resurrected, body and soul reunited with a brand new body, and you and I are going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. You and I will be changed, and we'll meet them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, that's pretty quick. They, they come up out of the ground or wherever they are. People say, well, what about people that were in the sea? Makes no difference. He created them and knows where they are. Knows where they are. And so they come up and they're resurrected. They get a new body and their spirit body reunited. You and I who are alive and know Jesus Christ, we're changed in a moment in a twinkling of eye. And we meet them in the clouds and then we meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. But now what's going on during that time? The Bible calls that time after you and I leave out the rapture, the tribulation period. And during the time of the tribulation, God is in a very unique way going to be dealing once again with the nation of Israel. The gospel will be preached. I do not believe that people are saved during the tribulation period differently than they are now. I believe the Bible teaches that. They're going to be great missionaries who will go and preach the gospel. Who's that? It's called... In the Bible, they're identified as the 144,000. No, they're not living now. No, they are not a cult. They are Jews out of every tribe of Israel. And they're going to carry the message during those days of tribulation period. Now, when you come to Isaiah 54, you're looking at a, a prophecy that prophesies First of all, they return to the land of Israel after the seven years of captivity. But I believe also we're looking down through time 
and we're looking at the things that are, have happened currently with Israel and the things that are going to happen with Israel. Keep in mind, God's dealing with you and me and this whole world individually through the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. But uniquely, God is dealing with the nation of Israel. And the promises he made in the Abrahamic covenant, in the Davidic covenant, and the Palestinian covenant, which are all given to the Old Testament, it has to do with the fact that they will be a people. They will have a ruler, which I, I believe eventually will be, uh, well, I won't go with that. But anyhow, they're going to have a ruler and then understand that they are God's chosen people and he's worked with them in a unique way and he has promised them a certain area of the world to live in. Now, they didn't have to go through the register deeds in Jerusalem or in Washington, D.C. God's got that record in glory and they have a title deed to a certain area of land that cannot be politically, militarily, or any other way negotiated away from them that's God's promise to them. And when people begin to try to take Israel off of their land and try to, through negotiations, to take them away from God's appointed place to them, not only are they dealing with a people, a small handful of people, so far as the world's concerned, the nation of Israel, but they're dealing with a holy God. And so he's protecting them. And then understand this that God made a promise to Abraham. And he said, I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse those who curse thee. In other words, God said, I hope you'll understand that they have a unique place in my plan. And those peoples around them and in other, all around the world that deal favorably with the nation of Israel, and show kindness to them and do what the Lord said, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that God's blessing will be on those people and on those nations that stand and support Israel. It is imperative that you pray. This is not a political issue. It is a spiritual issue with those who know the Lord. And so I encourage you to pray along that line. Now, I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 54. We have just concluded on last, uh, actually a week ago now, we had a cantata last Sunday, but we dealt with Isaiah 53, which is the wonderful passage of Scripture that deals with our Lord and the fact that he came as a sheep before his shearers, so he opened not his mouth. As a lamb to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. He gave his life a ransom. He suffered and bled and died. And then notice the first word of chapter number 54. Sing. Boy, that's why we sing. That's why we sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That's why we sing about grace. That's why we sing the songs we sing is because the Savior's come. In chapter 53, the Savior is identified and, and prophesied. Now look in verse 1 of chapter 54. I'm only going to read 10 verses because it is my intent, if the Lord will help me, to bring two or three messages out of this one chapter, but not today, just one today. Notice in chapter 54, Sing, O barren, thou that didst not bear, break forth unto singing, and cry aloud, thou that did not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. Enlarge the place of thy tent 
and let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither shalt thou, uh, neither be thou confounded. For thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. For thy maker is thine husband, and the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. For the Lord hath called thee as a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, a wife of youth, when thou wast refused, saith thy God. For a small moment I have forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. He's doing that. He's still doing that now. In, in a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness Will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with my people, uh, with thee, nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall never depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. Will you bow with me for prayer? Father, I want to thank you and praise you and give you glory for the wonderful day already. Such a beautiful day. This is the day the Lord's made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. Our Father, I'm glad that you chose to allow us to live, I believe, in the most exciting time in the church age. Our Father, I do believe that we're on the very doorstep of the coming of our Lord and God, I pray you'd help us to be busy about the master's business. I pray, God, you'd help us to have a good biblical perspective of what's going on. Our Father, we anticipate and we look forward, our Father, to your blessings. But also we do know, Lord, in the last days, wicked men will wax worse and worse. And consequently, we do understand, our Father, that we in America who know Christ will probably face great persecution before this is over with. But Lord, I'm thankful that you've made a promise that, Lord, you would rapture the church. And I pray, God, now that you'd bless. We do thank you for the nation of Israel. And I ask God your blessing on them today. But, God, I pray today that as we stand here to preach, that, God, the Holy Spirit would speak to hearts. And, God, that the great mercy and the great peace that you extend to Israel as a people, that, God, through the, our Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, that, Lord, somebody would find that peace and mercy today. And we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage of scripture deals uniquely with the nation of Israel and his promise to them about bringing them back into the land and what he's going to do for them and what a blessing it is. But I want us to draw a spiritual lesson as evidence in the nation of Israel. He says in the New Testament, the things that have happened to Israel have fallen out to them for our example, for us to learn from and for us to look at. In the first place, I want to say this to you. God made a promise. He said, I'm going to bring you back in the land. And he said, don't, be, don't, don't uh, worry or don't be depressed because of the past failures, that there were no children born and all that. He said, greater days are ahead. Now, let me say this to you. They were taken into captivity. They lived 70 years displaced. They had no homes. They had no gardens. They had, they had no heritage. They, didn't, they couldn't point to anything and said, this is our home. 
And God in his divine providence after seven years of cap- 70 years of captivity would bring them back. And I'll say this to you. While God is a God of mercy and grace and while God does forgive and God will restore and right now any person the sound of my voice regardless of what you've done can come to the Lord Jesus Christ and seek mercy and grace from him. He'll forgive you of all your sins give you everlasting life and you can have a peace of God that passes all understanding and a joy unspeakable and full of glory. It will not remove the past consequences of sin. My dear friend, that's just a biblical law that the wages of sin is death. And as you as a, a believer disobey the Lord and get out of fellowship with him, I promise you there are consequences in the life of the believer. The Bible said, if you sow to the flesh, you'll of the flesh reap corruption. My dear friend, if you disobey God, there comes a chastening from the Lord. And so the, 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 the first lesson I want you to learn from this is this, that there are consequences of sin. Now, God will forgive you of sin. But here's a man who's a drunkard, let's say, and he's lived abusive life. He's abused his wife. He's abused his children, lost their home, lost everything they've gotten. He himself has, has, has ruined his body and, and, and destroyed his own health. He has cuts and bruises and, and scars all over his body. And he falls in an old-fashioned altar somewhere and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Lord does, in fact, forgive him of all of his sin and save him. But you know what? Not one of those physical scars will be removed. They'll still be there. The heartaches of days gone by will still be there. The, the, the awful things that happen in those days of sin will still be there. Can I say something else to you? I'm going to warn God's people. David was a man after God's own heart, and yet he committed sin. He committed adultery, and he had that woman's husband killed. And he cried out. Nathan pointed out his sin. The Spirit of God dealt with him, and he said, Thou art the man. And David repented. Genuinely, he did repent. And the Lord says to him through Nathan, God has forgiven all of your sin. Boy, you can have peace and you can have joy. And thank God for that. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. But he said this, the sword will not depart from your house. Because you sow a lot of seeds in rebellion. And he sowed that seed in the life of his own son, Absalom. He sowed it in the life of others in his family. And all the awful harvest that followed down the road. And so you see, not only will there be some bad things because of what you've done in the past, very likely there may be some consequences down the road. That's just the natural law of sin. That's why it's so important that you and I live under the anointing and the direction of the Holy Spirit of God. Sin has an effect. And that affects our spirit, our heart, but it affects our friends, our family, our neighbors. Nobody backslides by themselves. Nobody sins by themselves. Your life is going to have an effect on others. And so here's this wonderful truth, or awesome truth, I should say, that sin does have an awful, awful consequence. They rebelled against God. They went into captivity. And in that type, in time of captivity, where they could have been living in the land, enjoying milk and honey, they could have had home, they could have had a garden, they could have had a heritage, could have had children, could have had grandchildren. They could have had places where they, they played with their grandchildren and year after year they could go back and have family picnics and build great memories. They came back out of captivity with memories of slavery and hard times and difficult times and scars on their body and scars in their heart. 
Now you say, Brother Billy, if that's so, why does he start that verse with sing? Sing. I want you to understand there are consequences of sin. But I want to tell you something about the marvelous grace of God. He says to the nation of Israel, why, why would I want you to sing? Because all that that's done in the past cannot be undone. But he said this, he said, I am going to redeem you. Look at verse 7. For a small moment I have forsaken thee, but with great mercy will I gather thee. And in a, in a little wrath have I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. Listen, why do you sing? You sing because of the promise, number one, of pardon and forgiveness. There's not one person in the sound of my voice that the Lord Jesus Christ would not forgive and cleanse you absolutely perfectly clean in his own blood. Here you stand, a life of sin behind you, and the consequences are there, the scars are there, but at this particular moment, you can ask Jesus to come in your heart and he will forgive you and, and, and save you. Or if you're a Christian, you've been out of fellowship, he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That very moment you get honest with him and confess. And boy, that's why you're seeing because of that blessing of what he's promised. And if you'll receive it, he'll do that for you. But not only because of his pardon, not only forgive, forgiven you of all your sin that are present and past, but because of his promise for the future. You've wasted a lot of time. You've wasted a lot of your life. But he says to Israel, now wait just a minute. I know you've been in captivity and you're there because of your sin. I, I was angry for just a little moment. I chastened you. But he said, I want you to do something. He said, I want you to know that you need to go out and build bigger tents. You need to go out, you need to go out and plan big. Because not only do I have great mercy, but I have great blessings that's coming your way. God's going to restore them, but God's going to bless them. You can't go back and undo. Don't let the devil make you live in the past. That's gone. Look to the future, what God's going to do. And he says to them, look, verse number one, sing, O barren, thou didst did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou didst did not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife of the Lord. He's saying, listen, all that time that you wasted, that's gone. You can't undo that. But now sing because of the promise of what he's going to do for you in the future. You say, Brother Billy, my life has been such a wreck. I got news for you. He's a wreck fixer. Amen. He can, he can forgive you of all your sin. And you listen, one day in the house of the Lord, he said, I'd rather spend a day in the house of the Lord than a thousand in the tents of the right. I'm going to tell you right now, you can get saved. The rest of your life will be the greatest day of your life. I had a, had a dear friend, a truck driver, and I've told the story many times. His name was Biscuit. And uh, Brother Bobby met him a long time before I ever did. I never saw his face until the day I buried him. The family had me to do the funeral for him. Biscuit was homeless. He lost everything he had. At one time, owned 640 acres down in Florida. He got involved in drugs. He lost his whole farm, lost his wife, lost his family. Ended up in destitute, living on the streets. Anyhow, God's marvelous grace. I can't explain to you how it all happened, but somehow or another, he, in those days, got a tape for the highway shepherd. God saved him. First time he called me and told me the story, I didn't believe him. Oh, yield little faith. I mean, I couldn't, it was so awful. I mean, it's so awesome, I couldn't believe it. 
he told me about how he listened to that tape, and I don't even know where he listened to it. And he got outside the, the town of Valdosta, Georgia, of all places, in a pine thicket. And he said he just sat there, cold and dirty and, 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 and hungry, and his heart was breaking because of his sin. And he cried out to God, and he said, Preacher, I cried out to God for mercy. And he said, God, you promised to do that. And he said, I prayed and cried. And he said, boy, it got so real. God blessed me. And he flooded my soul and joy flooded my soul. And, and he said, I was praying. I said, he said, God, you've taken care of folk over all the years. You provided for them. God, thank you. And God, I know you're going to take care of me. And he said, I prayed so loud. All of a sudden, the trees, pine trees above me filled with crows. And he said, they began to call. And he said, I, I just looked up. And he said, I looked and something came falling through a pine tree. And where he was sitting on the ground, a half a biscuit fell. And he said, God fed the ravens, fed the prophet in the Old Testament by the ravens. He said, I picked that biscuit up and I ate it. He said, it's one of the best biscuits I ever ate in my life. And he said, my handle on the highway is biscuit. He told me that story. And boy, it was amazing. I talked with him many, many times. I've shared to all of those who are here. I've told him over and over again, many contacts over the next three years. Brother Bobby got to meet him. And then he, he, he died suddenly up in Michigan. And uh, they did the funeral actually in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I went in outside of Greensboro, the other side of Greensboro. And I actually went and did the funeral for him. But while he, after he was saved, he began to witness to everybody. And he met a trucker friend he hadn't seen in years in a term, terminal in Atlanta, Georgia. And the guy was saying, I'm, I'm leaving my wife. We're going to do this, that, and the other. We can't go on. He's in all kind of trouble. And Biscuit told him, he said, man, you don't need to do that. Come sit in the cab of my truck. And they went over where he, Biscuit was parked. And he said, I played for him, living and dying, no regrets. And he said, God spoke to the man's heart. He said, I took my Bible off the dash and said, I led him to the Lord. And boy, I rejoiced with him. Two weeks later, Biscuit called me and he said, Brother Billy, you know the guy I was telling you about that I, I led to the Lord? And he said, yeah. He said, his wife just called me. They just diagnosed him with cancer. Will you pray for him? And I said, I will. Start praying for him. It wasn't, it wasn't six months. Biscuit called me. And he said, Brother Bill, I'm in West Virginia. He said, I want you to pray for me. And I said, what is it, Biscuit? He said, I gotta, I'm going to take my load back. And he said, I'm going to go down into Georgia. And I've got to go do a funeral. And I, I, I go help with a funeral. He said, my friend that has cancer just died. And he said, I, I, I want to just tell you what his wife said when she called me. He said, I want you to bring with you, Biscuit, when you come a copy of the message, Living and Die with No Regrets. Said, I want you, we're going to put that in my husband's coffin. Said, when he got saved, he came home. And for six months, our lives were completely different. We'd been married, I forgot, 10 or 12 years before that, a 10 or 12 year time. She said, the last six months of our lives were the happiest we've ever had. Said, God was in our home. God blessed me and blessed the children. And they had a daddy for the first time. And I had a husband for the first time. Even though he developed cancer not long after he got saved. But I want you to know that those were the happiest six months of our life. God did restore the years that the locusts had eaten. And I've got news for you. Although sin does have an awful consequence, there is a God who's a God of mercy and grace and he will forgive. I I wanted you to see three quick lessons that Israel learned during these days. His promise to them. What does it mean? Number one, they were made aware that he is the God of the whole world. Watch what it says down here in this passage of scripture in verse number five. He said, for thy maker is thy husband 
and the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. You see, Israel, while they are a chosen people, God let them know that they were not all of his people. They are a special, unique people. But boy, listen, he loved the whole world and he gave his only begotten son that whoso believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And my dear friend, that's the message they learned, that he is the God of the whole world and that he's the redeemer of any person, red or yellow, black or white, regardless of who they are, where they are. He wants them saved. And he taught Israel that lesson on that day. Not only that, but he taught them this. He taught them that he was their redeemer and that he was the one who gave to them great mercy. And worship changed for Israel then. They no longer worshiped idols. And they did worship the true and living God. While some took it to great extremes and added to the word of God the traditions of men, Paul testifies of them, for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God they learned that worship was a personal thing. And my dear friend, you can go to church for the rest of your life, but if you ever experience his mercy and his grace, it won't be church anymore. It'll be worship. You'll learn to worship him and understand that it's not one day a week or one service a week. It's seven days a week, 24-7. He'll never leave you nor forsake you, and your life is one in tune with him forever. It's a personal thing when he meets your need and rejoices. It's real. It's real. It's real. Not only did they learn that, but they learned a responsibility to the world. Here in this passage of Scripture, he talks about their, their ministering or their, how they were going to affect the Gentiles. And he says to Israel that through thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. He gave them a world vision of ministry and mission. And for all those who come to know him and they get saved by the grace of God, it's not something they want to keep to themselves. They want the whole world to know what Jesus did for them. I can tell you just as sure when a man gets saved, when a woman gets saved, as anything in the world. They'll start wanting everybody else to get what they've got. They'll start getting a burden for their brothers, for their sisters, for their work uh, associates, for their schoolmates. They, they, it's just something about it that's burning in their soul that they want to get the gospel out around the world. My dear friend, that's what our burden is, to bring them in in 2000 and get every person we can saved while we can. What a wonderful, wonderful truth. I won't take, you, take time for you to turn to it. Let me just quote part of it for you. Isaiah chapter 40 illustrates what this truth's all about. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. I sought him and he heard me. He brought me up out of a horrible pit and he set my feet on a solid rock. He established my going and he put a new song in my heart, even praise to my God. That's what it's all about. And a lot of you in the sound of my voice in the internet, radio, and in this building are in a horrible pit. We dug that pit. It's all the consequence of our sin. You can't get around that. There's a law of sowing and reaping. But I know somebody can bring you up out of the pit. I know somebody can set you on the solid rock. I know somebody can establish your going. I know somebody, my dear friend, that can put a new song in your heart, even, even praise to our God. And my dear friend, that's what it's all about. Regardless of where you are, you can't live in the past. You can't undo it. 
and you could get morbid and depressed and bitter, but you can't undo it. But what you can do is find forgiveness now and look to blessings in the future. And don't limit God. He said, enlarge your tent. I got big things for you. I got big plans for you. It has nothing to do with where you've been, but it's where you're going with me that makes the difference. Will you bow your heads in prayer with every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank God for his mercy and grace. Thank God for dealing with Israel. And I do pray for Israel. You need to pray for Israel. And I hope that you'll begin to look at them differently, differently. That doesn't mean they're regenerated. doesn't mean that they're Christians. They're not Christians unless they've been washed in the blood. But you understand something. God's got a plan. God deals with people as individuals. But uniquely, that nation is in God's plan. But my dear friend, the wonderful lesson is this. Sin has awful consequences. But there is a God who will forgive and cleanse. And although you can't undo the past, you can have a bright future. Your past does not determine your future with God. He's got a plan. Let him bless you today. While our heads bowed and eyes are closed, I wonder this morning, first of all, if there's a Christian in this building, you know you're saved, no heaven's your home, but you said to me, Brother Billy, I am not enjoying the good blessings of the Lord. He is a great God, I know that, but I failed him. I've not been faithful. I've let things get in my heart and life, in my spirit that ought not to be there. I've let jealousy and bitterness and anger and and sin get in my life. And preacher, I'm glad to know that in 1 John, he said, if we confess our sin, he's faithful just to forgive us and cleanse us. Preacher, will you pray for me as a believer? I want to be perfectly clean. I want to enjoy the good blessings. I want to do everything God's got me to do. I want to receive all the blessings God's got in store for me. And preacher, pray for me as a believer. Would you raise your hand? All across the congregation, raise them right up, right back down. Many, 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 many. God bless you, my dear friend. I've been there. I've been there. I have to watch and guard every day that I don't get there. And God's a God of grace. Understand something. The devil wants to rob you and steal your great blessings of God, dear child. I mean, there's great days ahead. There's blessings ahead. He said, enlarge your tent. You're going to see more children born now than you would have under normal circumstances. Even though you've been through this terrible time, the days of blessing are still ahead of you. Thank God for that. I'm going to pray for you. While no one's looking around, every head's bowed, every eye's closed. I wonder if there's a man or woman, a boy or girl who'd say to me, Brother Billy, I've never been saved. If I died right now, I do not know I'd go to heaven. But preacher, pray for me. I want you to pray for me right now. I'm not saved. If I died, I, I, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. And please pray for me right now. Anybody in the building, raise your hand right up, right back down. Cross the congregation, will you? God bless you, friend. I see you way back in the back. Somebody else. Somebody else, raise it right up. Preacher, if I died right now, I don't know I'd go to heaven. Raise it right up, right back down. I want to tell you something. Sin has an awful consequence, but I got news for you. He can forgive you and save you. You can't go back and undo all that, but boy, he's got a bright future for you. He's got joy ahead of you. He's got blessings ahead of you, and you can have it in him if you'll come to him. Anybody else say, Preacher, I don't know if I died now and go to heaven. I want to know that for sure. I want to know that for sure. Will you stand, please, with your heads bowed, eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, first of all, I want to 
thank you for your presence. Thank you for the Word of God, and thank you for our dear friends who are here gathered. God, I ask your blessing for every believer. Our Father, help us not to live below our privilege. God, you said that we could have joy unspeakable and full of glory. You said we could have a peace of God that passes all understanding. The devil wants to rob every believer of that. And God, the great blessings and the great joys and the great ministries that you've got ahead for all of us, Lord, the devil would rob us of that. God, I pray this morning that in Jesus' name that every believer would leave here in, on fire for Jesus, that they'd leave here knowing that everything's under the blood. And Lord, I pray we'd go out and God, we'd in, in larger tents. We'd believe that God had great blessings for us, that we'd not be hindered and limited by what we failed to do in the past, but God rejoicing and praising God for what you can do in the future for every believer. God, the, the Lord, not only is the sky the limit, but God, heaven's the limit. You made promise to meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus, our Lord. And God, there's no telling what you're going to do with God's people here this morning. But God, I pray this will be a, a crisis time in their life, a time when they come and they confess and they get clean and they leave here with a new perspective of what God's plan is for their life. And I pray, God, they do that. And Lord, I don't know how many people are here not saved. God, you do. And I pray, God, this morning that, God, those, the music and the Word of God has found lodging in their heart. For those who raised their hand, not sure they were saved, I pray, our Father, in just a moment, they'll take one step to the nearest aisle. And, God, you'll bring them here to receive you. And, Lord, you love them. Draw them by your grace and save them for Jesus' sake. And we'll thank you and praise you.